1: Do you understand he doesn't owe you anything? He did not owe Nicodemus anything? Not even an answer? Not even an answer. In his mercy, in this great love, he says to him, Nicodemus, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. And if all you got is the flesh, then you're not gonna enter the kingdom of God. The Apostle Peter opens up his first letter
0: with a power-packed greeting full of doctrinal truth. Pastor Robert teaches us, using Peter's words, that God's mercy is more than enough to cover our sin. Jesus' blood cleanses us so that those who are in Christ are begotten of God and dearly loved children. Stick around after today's message from Pastor Robert. I have quite a bit of information I'd like to share with you. Our web address, podcast subscription information, and our contact information. But first, here's Pastor Robert in the book of 1 Peter, chapter 1, verse 1, with today's message. 1
1: Peter, chapter 1, verse 1 says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away. Reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. I love the way Peter weaves right into his opening uh, greeting there, this doctrinal treatise, if you will, on the Trinity. You know, right off the bat, he he brings it out. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all working together for our redemption. All working together to rescue us. The, The Father calling us and drawing us to the Son, the Holy Spirit separating us out and making us different from everybody else on the planet, sanctifying us. God the Son paying our penalty with his own blood, buying our pardon. And then notice in verse 3 how the Bible says that God in his abundant mercy has begotten us again. Now two things about that. You know, first of all, I'm just I'm blown away by the statement that his mercy is abundant. Cuz I mean, think about it, you know? What I mean, if God had simply said that his mercy is adequate, that would have been something to get happy about. Do you understand what I mean? If he had only said to us that his mercy is sufficient to save you from yourself, that his mercy is enough, to deliver you from doom that, that would have been good news but that's not what he says he wants us to understand that his mercy toward those who love him is much more than sufficient now why is that why is that a big deal well because again you guys we have to understand how generous he is in order to fully appreciate his nature and his character his mercy toward you if you love him it's abundant. It's abundant. It's more than you'll ever need. More than you'll ever need. He loves you so much. The second thing is that he has begotten us again. This time in spirit is the idea here. That to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled. And that does not fade away. Reserved in heaven for us. This idea of God begetting us again points us to what Jesus said to a a scared Pharisee named Nick. Nick was a smart guy. The Bible says he was a teacher. Probably a wealthy man because most of the Pharisees were. He was a devoted Jewish leader who apparently wasn't willing to risk everything he owned in order to come to Jesus in broad daylight. This carpenter Rabbi that everybody was talking about. And so he waited till it got dark and then he snuck over to where Jesus was to check him out. But talk about abundant mercy. Jesus patiently schooled the teacher. Look at John chapter three with me. John three, verse three, Jesus answered and said to him, his spirit, do not marvel that I said to you, You must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from, where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Now listen, that really, if if Nicodemus had gotten sarcastic with me like that, I'm not sure I would have responded. You know? I think I would have reacted instead. Man, shut up. You know, I mean, don't don't we sometimes just we let the flesh get in the way and it's like Okay, never mind, you know. Feel free, go to hell, that's what you choose. Because we, we tend to have that sort of reactionary, you know, vindictive, many of us, I mean, I do. I have to keep that crucified. And I love the, again, abundant mercy. Jesus doesn't do that. Do you understand he had every right to? Do you understand he doesn't owe you anything? He did not owe Nicodemus anything. Not even an answer. Not even an answer. In his mercy, in this great love, he says to him, Nicodemus, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. And if all you got is the flesh, then you're not going to enter the kingdom of God. You have to be born of the spirit too. That's what we're talking about here. He he explained it to him. And then in verse 9, Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify of what we've seen, and you do not receive our witness. If I've told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven but he who has come down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. That the light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light. Because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen. That they've been done in God. This Orthodox rabbi, because that's what the Pharisees were, you know, in our modern terminology, that's really what you, you know, could, I think, legitimately call them. Orthodox rabbis, teachers of Israel, he didn't get it. He didn't get it at first. Later he did. Later his fear was replaced with faith. You know, when, when Jesus was crucified, John tells us that Nicodemus was one of the men who risked everything and came for his body. But a lot of Jewish people today stumble over the statement Jesus made to Nicodemus. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. The name Jesus, Yeshua, Joshua, it it means Jehovah saves. Jesus was explaining to Nicodemus that every human being is already condemned. It's interesting if you can get beyond the barrier, the stigma that exists, you know, the, the, the fact that, that, that many, many Jewish people, you know, they, they, it's been trained and, and I get it. My, my wife's background, some, some of you don't even know this, but my wife's family is Jewish. And I word it that way because technically Elizabeth's not Jewish because her mother is not Jewish. Her father is Jewish. But a lot of times there's this this misunderstanding, you know, that you need to, a Jewish person has to convert to Christianity to have any hope of going to heaven.
0: and we want to let you know that you can help partner with us to help see Main Thing Radio continue to grow. Here's Tracy. We all know that it's vitally important to support the local church, the place we call home, but it's also very important to support missionaries. Have you ever considered that Main Thing Radio is missionary work? It is. We need your support to continue to share God's word over the airwaves. Please prayerfully consider financially supporting Main Thing Radio.